Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. What's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. This week's episode is special. We have a really awesome guest for you guys today, um, Aaron Rickson, who in the YouGurus ecosystem goes way back. Aaron actually was working with us um, back when I ran my agency, Hot Press Web, many, many years ago. At this point, it feels like, I think, just about a decade. And now Aaron runs a company called Rickson, a content and strategy agency that transforms service businesses helping them command attention and make the competition irrelevant. And in his 20 years in business, he's written more than 5 million words. That's the equivalent of 33 copies of the New York Times, if you read such magazines and newspapers. Um, Heron has also worked with a ton of folks in our community and has been kind of like a content and writing hero. And for those of you that have been in the web game for a long time, I feel like content can oftentimes be the Achilles heel of a project. And we really changed the scope and um, uh, impact of the projects that we did at our agency by actually bringing in a professional, just like you bring in professionals to design and develop. We finally said, well, this content thing is causing all of the problems in our launches and and, and whether our, our clients' websites are effective. And so we, we brought in Aaron and it totally changed the, the shape of the products that we delivered for our clients. So I'm really uh, honored to welcome Aaron Ricks into our program. Oh, that's so kind of you, Brent. Thank you. I do have some bad news for you. It's only been six years, although in internet time, I guess that's probably six decades. Six years? Yeah, six okay, years. Okay, yeah, because then that's... Yeah. Well, no. it, it feels six years. It feels like 10, 2010, 2011 <laughs> ish, somewhere, somewhere yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well be three decades. <laughs> that's, that's like 42 in dog years. I mean, that's when, years. that's when Al Gore invented the internet, right? 2010. Exactly. Is that those tubes? He first put the tubes <laughs> in, in 2010. So now I, you know, I was looking at my, uh, my, my show notes and, uh, 
you know, we were going to open with this thing about you quitting your day job. Cause you were, when you worked with us, you were, you were like, you were like the Batman of content. You, you did this in, in nights and weekends and it wasn't your yes. main thing. And then in you were in latex as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was part of our scope of work requirements. You must be this in latex to ride this ride. Um, that's how I know it was six years ago because I had just started a brand new job. Uh, the second of my long-term corporate gigs and was moonlighting with you on the side. And I essentially moonlighted all the way through that gig uh, until I quit. Basically at the urging of you and your people, actually, there's a good story. And, and I just want to like set the stage. So Aaron came out to uh, one of our events in Austin, I guess now two years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, you gave a really awesome talk about content and things that people can do to make more effective websites. And, at some point, I think it was on the last day, um, it, it, I can't even remember how it happened, but you were up kind of at the front of the room with me on stage, and there was this, you know. Uh, yeah, we had been, I had done a thing on uh, landing pages. Yes. We helped another member of the community uh, tweak a landing page. I had tweaked one ahead of time, and then at Austin, we walked through the before and the after. And coincidentally the day before we had been to see the guys at WP engine. Yes. Uh, and watched a really inspiring talk about, you know, what are you good at? What are you great at? What are you excellent at? And what's your superpower? And after I'd finished my landing page thing, you kind of put your arm on my shoulder and asked the room, uh, okay, who thinks that this is this guy's superpower and the whole room, uh, exploded into applause, which was pretty great because I'm, I'm, uh, that's right up my alley. <laughs> Just standing in front of stages, getting yeah. applauded at. I'm a writer. I need validation, right? <laughs> uh, so then you said, and this was the fateful question, then you said, who thinks this guy should quit his job? And that's when the whole room started chanting, quit your job. Quit your job. And so that was in September. And by, March of the following year, I had said goodbye to a six-figure job and set out on my own. I kind of, I kind of want to know, like, what it was like on the plane ride back home. <laughs> like, at what point did you tell your wife, like, "Hey, this group of people is forcing me out of my job"? She's like, "What?" Well, the the good thing is she's been very supportive, and this, let's be honest, this you have to go. This place is killing you thing had been happening for years. I mean, I'm the classic case of waiting too long. I had had my first big corporate gig ran from 99 to 2011. I spent 12 years at the same place, uh, six of which were just profoundly miserable. And so uh, I was still too nervous in 2011 to cut the cord. So I took another job at with the, uh, you know, Jen and I talked about it and then I said, okay, I need to find out whether it is simply working for that place or working for a place that is what I can't stand. And about three or four years into the second gig, I found out that it was working for a place, not just uh, the, the former place. So we'd been having the conversation and there were some 
I would have, I was fired up and ready to do it <laughs> wheels down out of Austin. As soon as I touched, touched down in Toronto, I was ready to hand in my resignation letter, but then we got some uh, financial news. And so I hung on for about another four or five months. As it turns out, that, that was perfect timing because my, my young kid ended up needing literally thousands of dollars of dentistry. Mm. Uh, so honestly, the second thing I did after submitting the, 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 uh, the insurance receipts was quit my job. <laughs> like, oh, they're covering this tab and I'm out. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks so much, guys. See ya. <laughs> Which it seems that that's a really good reason to stay someplace and have that kind of security. But in, in thinking about many, many years working for somebody else and having that thought of wanting to do your own thing and you, you were already moonlighting, what were some of the fears that were keeping you there? Cause I'm sure a lot of folks that uh, I know a good deal of our audience or part of our audience, and maybe it's a small portion are, you know, aspiring agency owners. They, they see this world of entrepreneurism and, um, in these types of businesses as something that they would like to have for themselves, or maybe they're currently moonlighting. Uh, what were some of the fears that were holding you back and which of those were valid and which of those were things that you probably in hindsight could have ignored? Well, that's it. There's always going to be a reason, you know, I mean, I could tell myself, Oh, I can't quit because, uh, you know, we want to get a new house and uh, the bank's not going to, give me a mortgage if uh, if I don't have, you know, two years of employment data. So why don't we just, you know, I, well, you know, we're not going to actually, we were planning to buy that house in 15 months. So maybe I'll just hang on until then and we'll get the house and then I'll think about quitting or uh, yeah, you know, the, the kid needs so much dental work and it's going to cost thousands of dollars and I literally don't have to pay it if I just hang on for four weeks. Those are two different stories altogether. Uh, some of the fears I had were valid, like, you know, am I going to end up, you know, living in my parents' house because I can't make mortgage and we lose the house? Some of them were not valid, like, am I going to make an embarrassment of myself because I failed? You know, like, if you redefine what failure is, then all of a sudden you can't be embarrassed. Yeah, okay, so worst case scenario is you go do... Uh, you 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 go live in your parents' house and then you go back and get another job if it's really not working out. Um, Napoleon Hill says in uh, Think and Grow Rich, uh, don't wait. The time will never be just right. And that's true. I mean, it. Yeah, and for the record, I just happen to have that on a calendar on the wall as we're speaking. <laughs> it's not like I have that quote memorized. <laughs> I was like, wow, Aaron's no. pulling out the, 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 no. yeah. the Napoleon Hill scripture today. <laughs> it just happens to be on the calendar. Um, it's a lot like um, getting married in a way. You know, you think about, oh, God, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? The time will never be right. You're never going to... Uh, you're never going to feel that it's the perfect time, but in retrospect, the time will never be wrong either. Has it been all sunshine and roses for the past 18 months? No, it hasn't. But do I regret any of it? No, I don't. I think that's a good question to ask yourself if you are in that situation or really any situation where you have a large decision 
that maybe deep down you know is the right move that's going to help you bring you bring you towards something that you think will uh, help you live a better life uh, but there's risks involved is you know what is the worst that could happen I, I, and, I, and I like your what is the worst well I'll move in with my parents yeah. <laughs> which you know I mean yeah there's aspects of that that would that make me cringe uh and would it would be a very motivating factor to get out of that situation but if that was the worst that happened and, and not everybody has that luxury but um but that's a good exercise to go through is is okay if this doesn't work out you know what what is the worst and, and is there any way to mitigate that risk is there any way of a certain amount of money that you should have saved up or a certain amount of cash flow that you should yeah, plan for like one thing, I mean, just on the on the idea of what's the worst that could happen, I recently went through uh, a slump, uh, and somebody, as a way of inspiring me, said to me, "Well, look at pretend the Children's Aid Society is going to take away your kids." You know, somebody calls somebody calls the child welfare people and says, "We're going to take away your kids." Are you going to let that happen? No, you're not. You know, so. Don't don't think that there's going to be a scenario where you run out of money and then you just sort of sit around and let all of this stuff collapse around you and go, well, I guess I couldn't have done anything. No, you're going to get out there and you're going to hustle and you're going to kick ass to make sure that the things that are important to you are, um, you know, they're not taken away from you. So the the, the idea that business failure equals life failure is a false equivalency. I think now you can mitigate against that. Like I did, you know, um, I had some money saved up. I had managed to sock away. Uh, I think it was 15 or 20 grand. And I also was at the point where in a, in a freelance Batman capacity, I had hit, I think it was 80% of my corporate salary mm. um, just as a part-time job. You know, so the idea that, okay, well, if I just worked at it full time, I could probably even double that uh, was very appealing. So there were signals that said, yes, now is the time to ignore the fear and uh, and make a move. Um, I just heard and this one's a little shakier, obviously, because it's not on a calendar on my wall. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember who said it, but. I just recently heard that fear should be a should be a tailwind, not a headwind. Mm. It should be what it should be what's pushing you forward, not what's holding you back. It should be running from the things that you're afraid of and and hustling to succeed, rather than letting those things keep you in the same place. I wish I could think who uh, who said it. It, it. it was oh, you know what it was? It was Jimmy Iovine. I just watched the show. Uh, about Jimmy Iovine and uh, Dr. Dre called the the Defiant Ones. It's a documentary that HBO ran. And yeah, I've been looking forward out. to seeing that. So that's a it's good really reminder. Good. If your listeners don't know him, he started out recording John Lennon and Bruce Springsteen and Patti Smith and Tom Petty, and then uh, founded probably the most successful label of the 90s, Interscope, responsible for Tupac and Eminem and No Doubt and Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson. He just had an un, uh, unending string of hits in the 90s. And then when he got tired of the the record label game, he and Dr. Dre started uh, 
Beats by Dre and started Beats Music and then sold those both to Apple for three plus billion dollars. So <laughs> as far as, <laughs> as far as inspirational quotes, I'm willing to listen to him. Yeah. Well, in, in the science is going to back that up, that fear is a stronger motivator than opportunity. And I know that sounds strange. How do you leverage that? But, you know, there's the, um, I don't know if it's a metaphor, but seeing a, a, a tiger on the horizon invokes a lot more energy than seeing an apple orchard. Exactly. Uh, it's and, an interesting segue back into writing. I mean, psychologically, if you're, if you're writing content, your readers are going to be much more likely by the, uh, to be motivated by the prospect of losing something than of gaining something. If I said to you, you know, uh, somebody's going to, break into your house tonight and steal a thousand dollars versus if you just work hard enough, you could get $2,000. You're, you're going to be much more likely to, to prevent that thousand dollars from being stolen from you. It's just how, how we, wired we are. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that you, you know, I'm offering you the chance to make twice as much. You're probably going to work twice as hard to keep a grand being stolen from you. So, so speaking as twice as much, did, did you double your, your revenue in the first year? I had a staggering year. I, uh, I doubled it and a little bit more. So again, I was, I was, uh, I was six figures on my day job and I doubled that. It, I'm very proud to say that I worked my ass off because of that. And that was in nine months of full time. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, you know, wow, sure. Good for you. And then rest, Yo, go ahead, rest on your laurels and then watch your, literally watch your referral business that you built disappear. I spent six weeks this summer with no work at all. Zero work, nothing for six weeks. It sucked, man. (laughs) It sucked. And, you know, it really opened my eyes to the fact that, yeah, you can think you are king of the hill, But really, you are only as good as the sort of marketing systems that you've built around you. Um, Had I had it to do over again, I would have put more, uh, I would have relied less on the fact that I was so swamped with with referrals and done more work to build an actual business rather than just a highly paid freelance job. So you were kind of writing from gig to gig but weren't doing things like developing a, an email list or developing, you know, some of your services into more of a productized service offering or, you know, building more of a reputation outside of the referral word of mouth business. Yes, exactly. It. I mean, I, I'm sure that there's probably only about two of your listeners that haven't heard the cliche about the, the shoemaker's children who themselves <laughs> don't have any, have any shoes, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm spending, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm making, you know, here's me in 2016 receipts at the end of the year, are like 200 K and, uh, all of that money is made from, uh, helping people do the very stuff that I'm not doing for my own business. So of course, when I don't know whether it's Trump related panic or an economic slowdown or just this summer or whatever happens in 2017, all of a sudden I've got no work and, nobody to call on because on top of everything else, my own personal preferences were more project-based and less recurring work. Mm. I'm a very 
very restless person and I get very antsy about doing the same thing over and over again. So I tended to just naturally shy away from the kind of, yes, I will pump out four blog posts for you every month. Mm. Uh, and um, so it's not even like I had recurring contracts to, to fall back on. And even worse, even worse, my worst client I had fired because it was causing just so much uh, mental and emotional stress. So I willingly gave up $2,500 recurring every month. Quite honestly, three weeks before the bottom fell out. Man, if I could have. <laughs> Did, I, I take it you didn't call that person back and say, hey, uh, second thought, you know, I've restructured some things and I'm, uh, I, my time's opened back up again. The only thing that I have more of than desperation is pride. <laughs> <laughs> Not go back. <laughs> well, I, I think there's some there's some really great lessons there for our listeners. Uh, one of my personal core values came from the book Essentialism, which is protect the asset, and I think that applies to us as individuals. And that's something that I've taken a lot of, um, you know, just personal time to eat well and, you know, exercise and make sure that I'm going to live as long as I possibly can. And that's really important. And then there's, you know, protecting the core asset of your business. So what is the asset? You mentioned that you were kind of treating it more like a freelance gig versus a business and really thinking about your business more as an asset. So, you know, even if you were just to brainstorm on a piece of paper, like as a service business, if my business is an asset, what, what is the asset? Is it, my brand? Is it my list? Is it my customers? Is it my recurring contracts? Um, and, and, you know, it's hard to protect something if you don't know what it is. Uh, and so I think it sounds like in your case, maybe you, you've done some work on that since then. Well, it's so tricky because I know, I know a lot of your listeners are going to identify with this feeling. Uh, there's a constant pull, a constant tug to identify my greatest asset as my creativity. You know, I'm an artist. I, I, it sounds so silly to say, but I, I'm, I really feel like an artist and I really feel like a creative person who has this gift that must be protected. And when, I mean, you know, it, it, it's the kind of gift where you can find that, oh, shit, you missed a deadline and it's actually due today at two o'clock. You know, I have the skills to dig down and write that thing inside of 45 minutes so that it can be delivered at two o'clock. You know, whatever that is, I had always thought that was my biggest asset, but that's very much um, almost a, you know, a Sistine Chapel kind of thinking. I'm, a, I'm an artiste. I'm, a, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy, I'm the guy, I'm Michelangelo or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, Thomas Hardy or, or Ernest Hemingway or whatever novelist you want to say, or, or, Springsteen, the the uh, the musician, you know, like there's this is my creativity, man. It's just also hippy dippy, but in reality is, um, I'm only just now starting to think. Well, no, I need to have some systems and I need to have some business assets um, and some intellectual property. Like the 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 plus around having that slowdown in the summer was time to actually build out some. IP. I now have an idea that is mine around what I call braver content. And, uh, you know, that's an idea with legs and, and it's an idea that could fuel a book or that could 
fuel some productized services and that you know that is stamped at no races mine and i never had that before all i had was yeah i can put a sentence together or you know the analog there is oh, i'm you know i'm the greatest at i'm the greatest at beaver builder or uh we're very you know we're very good at discovery or you know uh, we we make beautiful websites well those are just outputs and if you don't have that business fueling those outputs you'll you'll end up in my situation where all of a sudden you've got nothing to output and you're you know sitting around asking yourself did i really need to buy all these cds <laughs> Um, I mean, and, and I think in the essence, you know, are you building a, a practice for yourself or are you building a business that has value beyond Aaron Rickson and beyond whatever your business's name that's listening to this show right now is, have you yeah. built something that is, does, ha, has value beyond your own personal, um, creativity or your own personal talent? And you hear a lot of people in this space, want things like productized services, but you really touched on something that I think is more important in really productized services is probably more of a subset of which is intellectual property, whether that's your own person, you know, your your proven framework. Uh, people will tell me all the time, I'll say, you know, what, what's your unfair advantage in the market? And they'll say, oh, my 12 years of experience. I'm like, well, what does that like, what does that do? Like, have you turned that into something? that is packaged and can be offered that's intellectual property. And they're like, well, no, I haven't. I just bring it to the table in my discovery. And it's like, all right, cool. Then that's not an unfair advantage. No, not an unfair advantage. I went to a conference in Boston in, in early 2017 and watched these people up on the stage speaking. Some of them were great. There was an Anne Handley there and there was uh, gosh, I can't think of how to pronounce his name. Bone and Bow, the guy that, that made the Oreo, you know, the very famous uh, Oreo ad that they released in the middle of the power outage in the Super Bowl. Um, so they had these people up on stage, and they they may have been more eloquent than me, but there was a whole other subset of people that were not and spoke worse than I did. And the only reason they were up on stage at the front in front of this huge conference was they had they had a book to hype. You know, they had a piece of IP, they had an idea that was theirs and they were there to talk about that idea. So mm. yeah, I developed, I came home and said, forget it. I need something and worked on it and worked on it and rode on the plane. And I came up with this, this, yeah, like I mentioned before, this braver framework that at least puts a name and some adjectives around what makes better content. So instead of simply saying, I write better content, I can say, I can help you be braver with your content. Mm. You know? Uh, and, so it's been and how much of that, uh, how much of braver content are you able to talk about? I mean, I think, I mean, I wanted to make sure we spent a little bit of time on our show today talking about content. I feel like we would have been, if we went the whole episode <laughs> without actually talking about content, you know, we would have just ignored Aaron's superpower. <laughs> and so and that's the Aaron <laughs> show. Yeah, no, uh, braver content. And, and before, oh, you, before you talk about that, cause I just, Content is such a frustrating thing for probably most digital agency owners on the planet. And for us, it was always this afterthought. I mean, I could go back to some early proposals that where we were so frustrated with content that we actually put something in our proposal that said, we will deliver you like your website files and the overall templates. And it's your job to populate it with the content. Like we were so frustrated 
because our clients wouldn't get us content that we just started creating these like half done websites and delivering them to clients, which of course you can understand is a, is a terrible customer experience. And, and yeah. all I was doing was I was, you know, instead of leaning in and trying to understand this thing that I didn't really know much about, I was just, you know, ignoring it. Like, I'm just not going to deal with it. And I think a lot of people still to this day are doing that. They're running web development companies or web design companies on two legs of the stool. They're doing design, they're doing development, and then they're telling their client, who probably is not fit to write uh, a, a note to their spouse, they're asking them to <laughs> write the, um, you know, they're, they're, they're asking them to basically write direct response marketing copy. And um, well, I, I'm of two minds about that. I won't complain, number one, because that's where I make my money. Right? <laughs> that, that, that problem is the exact problem that I solve. It's how you ended up hiring me. It's how um, all of the other people in your community end up hiring me because they get to that point where they say, yes, we need content. Um, but th what even those people don't understand is that the world of content has lapped them. You know, if you are, it doesn't matter whether you're just in 2017 starting to wake up to the idea that, yes, you need somebody to help your clients write that stuff because getting a professional writer in gets you paid faster and it stops scope creep and it gives you a lot more sanity. Um, but, or, or whether you've been running that process for three or four years uh, the, the reality is that the content world has gone in leaps and bounds and now good content is just not good enough. It's good content is table stakes and everybody on earth seems to be writing good content. No, well, some people are still writing really, really bad content, but, uh, even the people that are trying hard are writing lots of stuff that is the same as other people. And, in order to stand out, in order to do, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, to, to make your competition irrelevant, you got to take it one step up. And that's where that's the genesis of this, of this framework came through. It was just how do you make different content? And it just so happened that the, the kinds of thinking I was doing and my <laughs> my gift with acronyms and adjectives, I managed to make a word out of it that is that actually resonates, you know, to get better on the web, you need to be to be braver with your stuff, you need to start taking chances. And that bra braver is, is, a, like I said, it's a it's an acronym that stands for uh, bold and relevant and authoritative and vulnerable at the same time and engaging and, and at the end of the day, uh, remarkable. You put all those six things together and you're starting to write content that's braver than you might have been, braver than the competitor down the street. Uh, and, you know, braver is, is what the readers want these days. Uh, we can, I mean, I can, we can either, if you want to get into each of those pieces or we can send somebody, send your listeners rather to a, to a page where they can learn more about it. It's up to you, depending on how much time we've got in the, in the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to, um, I'd love to, to to send them to the page to to dive into to yeah. deeper details. Um, we can do mm -hmm. that now or at the end. Um, I, I would like to call attention to at least one or two of those. I mean, being vulnerable. Sure. I think for a lot of companies who try to be bigger than they are, or um, you know, they 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 
try to protect themselves and wear their armor, you know? And they being vulnerable seems, seems like, you know, something very foreign. Why would I want to do that? Exactly. You know, am I being honest or am I trying to pretend? Do uh, I mean, am I, am I feeling something? Is that feeling showing through? Can people pick up on that feeling? Uh, if I, you know, if I removed my name from this content, would people know it was still mine? Um, am I speaking my truth, even if that's uncomfortable? You know, you, you, you've got all these guests on your podcast. Um, a guy like uh, Ree Perez from Branding from the People, you know where he stands and you know what he stands for. And he is against crappy brands and he's for really good brands. And he works with people and he puts his brain on the line every day to help them take that next step to, to be more relatable and, and authentic and, and honest and, and vulnerability. I mean, here's an example. It's, it's, it may seem kind of, morbid at first, but follow me through here because even this, this content where, although it came from a place of the heart, it's, it's still content and it still did a business job. Okay. There was a, a country duo named uh, Joey and Rory. I don't know whether you've heard of these guys. They got their start, you know, the same way that every country band in the world does hacking it out of Nashville. And they ended up on a TV show uh, about, great duet acts. And so they had themselves a career and they made a bit of a splash and fulfilled their contract. And then we're like many bands were faced with self-releasing a record. Okay. So now they've got a self-released record. And then all of a sudden the unthinkable the wife, Joey Feek is diagnosed with terminal cancer. Like the no hope, sadly, this is it. She's going to die. What does Rory do? In a very natural response to unimaginable grief, he starts blogging. He starts trying to cope with his pain online and trying to share the process of saying goodbye to Joey Feek, his wife of I don't even know how many years, with his audience. And because we're attracted to those kinds of stories, the audience explodes. I mean, people like me, I don't, I don't even listen to country music. People like me now know about Jory and Rory because of this, this process of creating this content. Now it might be mercenary to think of it as content, but as I said, it was published on a blog and it was, it had the effect of bringing people to that website. Uh, So here's content. So, as she is getting close to the point where she can't do it anymore, they decide to make a record of hymns that are important to them. And, and they re-record a, a song that's important to them called When I'm Gone or something that they had written five years ago that all of a sudden had taken on a whole new resonance. And what happens? That album hits number one on the Billboard country charts. Again, I'm not accusing Rory Feek of doing it deliberately, but that is vulnerable content to a T. Hey, share my life. And, you know, naturally people respond to that and they, they become part of that story. And Rory's grief was their grief. And they rushed out to buy that record so they could have something to remember Joey by as well. And now, again, now that Joey's gone, 
Rory's managed to find the money to release a solo album she recorded 12 years ago. And now that album's finally out there and it's selling like gangbusters. And it's just a, it's just a, it's a really perfect example about what happens when you, uh, well, to use a you guru's phrase, when you open the kimono and, <laughs> and let people see, you know? And I mean, to be fair, grief and country music are kind of like peanut butter and jelly. So there was a, a bit of a... <laughs> there's, you know, if I'm out there trying to be a motivational speaker, I mean, there's, there's context to this as well that I'm sure you bring to the table of what's what is the right amount of vulnerability and what's relevant to your audience and how much of it's relevant because I'm sure that there would be time and a place for that and it's you can get really calculating about it but I mean you know it it, I don't think that it's it's a mistake that people who are in the empowering industry for example the you know the personal coaches uh, tell the tell the empowering zero to hero story because that sort of vulnerability, the, the, the same kind of, you know, back in the early days of, of when you were, uh, you know, running on empty with, with hot press web, people understand that vulnerability and they, they may chuckle about the, the lengths that you and Steve went to at hot press to try to keep the lights on and keep the bills paid. But that it's that vulnerability that helps bond people to you because they think I've been in that situation or, you know, I could be in that situation. It's not, it wasn't great for me to come on your podcast bookended by successful people and say, yeah, you know, I've done a real good job of screwing it up. Here. <laughs> oh, come on. You're good. But it, it feels, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where that, that is me and the deal that I made with myself when, when I quit my job was, I don't care if I ever go back to work again. If I do, it's going to be on my terms and it's going to be because somebody wants me for who I am rather than wants a, uh, you know, a square peg for the square hole and, uh, you know, just somebody to sit in a chair and do what they're told. Aaron, this has been a a fascinating conversation and I do want you to tell our audience how they can find out more about you in a minute. First, we're going to do our lightning round. Are you ready? For sure. You got it. What is the best advice you've ever received? Uh, can I, can I, can I swear? (laughs) You're going to make me put an E next to this episode. No, don't. I won't make it E. The best advice I ever received. Here's a, here's a good story. Uh, I had broken up with my girlfriend and was hanging out with a, sort of a acquaintance, not a friend friend, but a guy that I'd known from the music scene. And he said to me, are you happier with her or are you happier without her? And I decided that I was happier with her. I got back together with her and we've been married for 11 years, actually 11 years, three days ago, as far as the taping of this episode is concerned. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Uh, grit, just the, the absolute, okay, I got to wake up at four o'clock and write this thing because it needs to be done. That is definitely a good entrepreneurial trait. <laughs> Can you uh, share an internet resource or a tool that you use that uh, uh, you think our listeners would find valuable? If you're trying to write your own content, uh, Grammarly. Grammarly mm. Premium is, is actually really cool. I use it myself, uh, even though I've been writing for 20 years because it still corrects my weaknesses and my bad habits. Uh, I like Grammarly a lot. Nice. I also like Apple music. (laughs) (laughs) 
50, I pay 15 bucks a month for, for me and my wife and my, my nephews. And we're all milking the apple teat and listening to as much music as we want. What's, what's on your, and this is such a, a cliche question. What's in your playlist today? What do you, what's, what's one band that you're listening to today? A, a minimalist composer named Steve Reich, because the minimalist stuff, the repetitive 45 minutes of repetitiveness is my go-to music when I need to instantly get in the zone and finish something on deadline. I had to write 700 words in about 45 minutes today, mm. and I did a pretty good job because of Steve Reich. Nice. That's R-E-I-C-H, in case you're interested in some really out there classical music. And uh, what book would you recommend and why? Oh, boy. Uh, the one that pops in the top of my head, The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes is pretty good. Uh, it's got some chapters that I don't implement, even though I know I should, and some chapters that I do implement. Um, I'm also a big fan of, well, as you can imagine, I said Napoleon Hill. Uh uh, I like uh, Think and Grow Rich a lot. I've actually given away Think and Grow Rich at one of your conferences. I think it's out of copyright. I'm pretty sure you can get out. Just search for the PDF and load it up on your Kindle. You could if you're a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few of those. I mean, it's like Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I don't know. There's a handful that uh, I think you can just... You I don't can... know. With a book like that, there's something about taking a pencil and a highlighter to it and dogging mm. pages this and underline I, I do have a paper copy so Good for you. Uh, so how can our audience find out more about you and is there anything that you have for them I do at rickson.com w-r-i-x-o-n dot com slash digital agency show all one word uh, I would not be a content marketer if I didn't have a dedicated landing page for you guys uh, so you'll get to hear more about this braver framework and there'll be like a downloadable mind map with some questions you can ask yourself and all kinds of goodies and even if you know for your own agency site your own content let alone your clients content um definitely go to that go, go to those resources aaron you've produced a ton of great resources for our community over the years and i'm sure if it's anything like what you've done for us it's going to be highly valuable so make sure you guys take advantage of that Thank you, my friend. There's more to come, actually. We, uh, I'm, I'm working with your people on this thing and that thing. And plus, I may have big news coming in the future. Depending uh, on when people are listening to this, there may be something neat happening, but I won't speak. <laughs> and just, just for the record, I like it when anybody says, I'm working with your people. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So sorry. I'm working with the fabulous you gurus team, <laughs> of which you are one barely essential piece i'm just a servant to this organization so <laughs> trust me um i will i will do the the i will do the honor for you and say if you're listening to this before november here's a plug for you summit come and watch me speak mm, yes you will be talking to you summit so if you guys have not bought tickets yet you should because we've got some awesome people there including aaron and uh lots of other great guys like ryan dice and ryan levesque and nicholas kuzmich and there's a whole, wait. whole in, my friend. A whole roster of folks at yougurus.com uh, slash summit. So take a look at that. Aaron, you've been an awesome guest for us today. You've been an awesome participant in our community for many, many years. Uh, not quite a decade as we learned earlier today. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to edit that, but all right, 40, man. 42 years in <laughs> 40, 42 years in internet years uh, is, yeah. is, is accurate. So thank you again, Aaron. You've been an awesome Thanks. guest for us today. Talk soon. 
All right, guys, that is it for our uh, episode of the Digital Agency Show this week. Tune in next week. So glad to have you guys here. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge is blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 